He is the creator and sustainer of all the worlds. Yeah. Everybody, it is Sunday, October 29th. Uh, you are listening to The Dark Doorway, and you're actually watching The Dark Doorway. I'm your host, Mark Bolden, coming at you from Florida, USA, the gun-shaped state, the home of Mickey Mouse and all things South. Uh, we got some uh, really interesting guests for you tonight. You see their faces on screen. I'm going to introduce them both in just a minute. Uh, and just to let you guys know, even though I said it's uh, October 29th, this episode will be airing on October 31st, Halloween night. So happy Halloween to everybody. Uh, once again, I'm your host, Mark Bolden, and this episode is Talking Ghost Tech with Grayson, Grayson Schmidt. <laughs> That's like a tongue twister sometimes, okay? That's good, man, I got you. <laughs> so, uh, just to let you guys know, you know, uh, paranormal investigators have a lot of tools in their arsenal. They have uh, everything from uh, EMF uh, meters, they use uh, digital voice recorders, they're using SLR, uh, SLR, you know, SLR cameras or whatever. So, and obelisks, you know, different tools that they use. So, what, what we have that's really interesting is... Um, Grayson is the Genius Find Paranormal Tech Support, and they're a leading innovator in paranormal investigation technology. And uh, I'd like to welcome Grayson to the show. Grayson? Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, man. This has been a pleasure. Absolutely. We've been told we were talking for a while before this, too, everybody. And then also I'd like to welcome Byron Doss. Now, Byron and I go back. We have a long history. Byron had uh, ByronDoss.com. I shouldn't say had. He still has ByronDoss.com. Uh, Byron is also uh, a tech aficionado. He was... Uh, uh, had his own uh, tech podcast for a long time, and we always had some great discussions on tech. So, uh, you know, if you guys get a chance to, um, I don't know if his website's up to date, but you could check out ByronDoss.com as well. And and also, anything that we discussed today will be in the show notes. Um, as you can see, I'm in my uh, my beautiful backyard resort, and uh, and we're going to go ahead and uh, light this uh, light the candle on this puppy right now. So, uh, Grayson, we're going to start with you, and one of the you know, you've always been an interesting person. Ever since I met you, uh, I was amazed by you. I thought I thought that you had some some uh, uh, great uh, great uh, stories to talk about. Some a lot of information. So, you know, let's first let's talk about the equipment because that's your that's your area of expertise is uh, is equipment. So, what's the first piece of equipment that you that you ever uh, ever designed or, or worked with on an investigation? So, uh, that's a really incredible question because the first device that I actually used during a paranormal investigation was a, a Kodak instant. Um, it was a flat camera that took a round uh, negative. So it was a Kodak disc camera that fit in my fanny pack. Like, you know how we used to wear them back in the day, right? So I would take that to work. I'd keep my tools in it. I keep my camera in it. And I worked in entertainment stage lighting in New York City. So I used to build rock tours and theater tours and do all kinds of cool stuff, worked on Club MTV. So when you saw Julie Brown, I was on the other side of the camera from her and uh, was Palladium Tech staff and, you know, doing cool stuff all over town. So I'd always take pictures, you know, backstage. Uh, I really enjoyed, like, I'm a, uh, how do you even explain it? I, 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 I'm a, a, a notorious archiver. So I like to take pictures of everything and all the experiences because one day that's going to matter. That's, you know, it shapes a timeline and it shapes a, uh, a point in time in history, you know, and captures those moments. And that's 
what, what I feel is so important about this. So honestly, when I first did my first investigation, I went in with more survival gear, meaning like a knife, rope, you know, bottle, water, stuff, bandages, then, you know, even thinking paranormal, uh, because I went to high school with a friend of mine that um, lived on what was called Roosevelt Island, which is in between Manhattan Island and Long Island City. I know it well, yeah. So exactly. So I uh, went to school in Manhattan, and uh, he lived on Roosevelt Island and was a black and white photographer. And he was always like, dude, you have to come check this place out, which was the uh, ruined, uh, th the abandoned hospitals on the south side of the island. So we used to go yeah, out. That was the uh, smallpox hospital. Well, yeah, that was one of them, but this was the island hospital. Uh, we did the smallpox, which was really, uh, I don't know if you remember, it's what was sort of just the wall and a, yeah. maybe a, a bit of a stairway and not much else. You know what I mean? Foundation, yeah. some walls and some stuff which I think they've kept, which is really cool. But the main hospital building um, was uh, burnt down initially. They rebuilt on the same location, and it was one of the first hospitals that they used things like rubber gloves and uh, you know certain anesthesia processes. And uh, they had an operatory suite, you know, which was, was a, a group of four operatory, th what they would call an operatory theater, um, which was really interesting, which gave other doctors and nurses a chance to sit in and you know, be part of the procedure to learn how these new techniques would work. Um, and they had a dentistry wing and they had a, uh, you know, a mental health wing and they had a girl, you know, girls wing and a boys wing and a, it was separated out that way. But this, this building was massive and, uh, it was built by prison labor, uh, on the Island. So first they built the prison and then they quarried all the rock they built this prison. They had the smallpox hospital because of the epidemic, and they had another structure called the Strucker Lab, uh, which was a laboratory building. But trying to get in there, it was collapsed pretty much from ceiling to basement. So navigating in there was really treacherous. So we really didn't bother. Um, but um, it, I didn't go in even taking pictures the first time. I went in and and was sort of taken in by these places within this environment and for the next few days i had dreams about specific places in this building so i said to my friend at school that following tuesday like look dude i have to go in there and take pictures of these places i don't know what I, it's like a slideshow in my head every time i'm dreaming i'm seeing these places every time i'm you know daydreaming i'm seeing these places so we went in we went back and we went back in with the camera and um we actually <laughs> the first roll of film went fine and then it was on the second roll of film that the camera we took a picture down this hallway and the camera overloaded as if it was going to explode so the the capacitor that loads the flash was was starting to whine to a level that was like this is not good so we shut it off it's real simple but you know open the open the lens shut the lens on off simple simple nothing to it um and uh, we tried. We tried it again. Take try tried to take this picture down the hall. Same thing happened. So I said to my friend, "Look, if it happens again, we're out." You know what I mean? So I'm looking at the camera, and it flashes off a picture of my face, and then I point it to the ground, and it flashes off a picture of my feet. And uh, we're looking at each other like, "Okay, whatever. Let's try this picture again." So we take the picture down the hall. Same thing happens with the camera. So we bail. So. 
the first picture on the first roll of film was a little girl screaming out in front of a staircase. And like the first picture, like what was your, what was your reaction when you saw that though? Uh, it was proof to me that this thing, you know, cause I had interactions since I was young and that this thing was now real, that there was a substance to it. And what was interesting to me, the more we studied it, um, we, we studied that location for two and a half years. So we were in there in, in winter, summer, fall, spring, night, day, m- moonlight, no moon, you know, uh, every condition. Um, and we were testing, you know, we were just like cutting our teeth, like learning. We had no idea what we were doing. We we're kids, you know what I mean? But we were getting these photos and we brought in a, a different camera and I got the thing that got my first camera down this hallway. It was an entity and what it looked like it was doing was moving, trying to move away from the flash. It was elongating. And then on the second, and you ever be, in, if you're ever in the ocean and you, you feel that for that wave come in and then there's that second wave that's sort of like a nice mellow, like gentle wave. That's what it felt like. So I took one picture I felt that kind of wave and I took another picture and we got it. We got them. And I took that picture with this thing, which is called a Yushika Samurai, which is a split frame uh, camera. And what it did is it took like a roll of 24 film and turned it into 48, but not many places, not many places knew how to develop it. <laughs> but that was my that was my second camera ever, right? Um, and I still have the the uh, uh, the disc camera, which is really cool. But and then I was starting to get images of things. Um, so, but what was interesting was is that it was it was the lighting conditions had everything to do with it because we had ambient light still in the environment. So it wasn't total dark because what I believe was, and what I was trying to do is use sort of um, intuition. And, and like when I felt something, I would take a picture, but I didn't lease the film because film, like I was young, you know, film was expensive. All the stuff was a big expense for me to do in process and everything. Yeah. But then I got Corel draw later on in life. Right. And what I did is I scanned these pictures into CorelDRAW into what was called a bit plane. And the bit plane allowed me to analyze the, the bit structure of the film. So what it did, what it does is it creates a level, like almost a light level or a dark level. It, mm-hmm. it, it's almost like mini towers of every bit that's on this picture. So you know what the background's supposed to look like, and then you look at this other thing that's there that's not supposed to be there, but you can see its energy and how far-reaching it was. So we spent a lot of money and time bleaching out photos that we could have probably gotten, but there it was it was dark. So the wow. flash being 56K would bleach it out. So being in stage lighting, I took a piece of lighting gel and it happened to be magenta. Like what? What that? It just never occurred to me. It was just I was trying to reduce the foot candles of the flash, right? So we'd stop bleaching stuff out. And so I put the magenta over the flash. Well, this happens to peak in the reds and the violets. So I was sort of doing uh, your your you know um, what do they call it? The uh, full spectrum mm-hmm. by accident almost. 
right? So I get this one picture of this one's holding the damn handrail, walking down, holding the handrail. And then there's a whole mess of them kind of like running off on the top stair, like running around. You can see one that you can see like the upper torso and the arms of it. And you can see it sort of booking around. Um, I did a show years and years ago. It's, it's really lame, but uh, it's called Real Paranormal Television and it's on YouTube and Grayson69 is my channel. So you can always go there and critique it and laugh at it, check it out. Uh, it, it's really cool stuff, but you know that's where it lives right now. It lives on my YouTube. So, um, and I when I did the show, I did the show not to be like, hey, I'm not in in this rock star, you know, ghost hunter thing. Whatever's going on with some people, like you know, it's it's an ego trip for some folks. And for me, this is a gift. You know, this was something that was given to me that that came from someplace else that, you know, it found me and it it reached out to me. And there's two really incredible things. I, I don't know if you guys are religious or run into folks that are religious, but, you know, in the, and then I'm not going to get all preachy this is not how it's going to go. But I'm just saying in the Bible, it says don't commune with familiar spirits. Right. And that's where a lot of, uh, you know. Uh, how do you explain it? Um like pious religious folk, mm -hmm. you know, they kind of like, you know, they, they feel like it's, it's demons. Everything's demons. Right. You know, and yeah, body only stays for three days and then whatever. So, but then you have in the Bible, it also says is your job to question whether the spirits of God. And what that means is, is that like, you know, don't commune with, with familiar spirits, don't think it's the ghost of Mary hanging out in your house, giving you the lottery numbers or like, Hey Mary, what did I wear today? Red or blue? Or Hey, you know, like everybody has this familiar spirit that yeah. hangs out and they ask it questions and they interact like it, like it's a buddy. And, oh, that don't worry. That you know, those bumps in the night. That's just Mary. She's knocking over furniture. She always does it. And she takes the one book and she lays it on the ground. I got to pick it up. But, you know, all these bullshit stories, right? Whatever. So, um, but that, Sometimes these entities are like a cancer in the environment. And what they do is they, just in life, if they were, pardon me if, if we're on air, can you bleep stuff or? Yeah, yeah. Or is it all good? So you're, if somebody's an asshole in life, they're going to be an asshole in death. Yeah. And you're going to deal with spirits of that certain nature. Um, but also there are things that are beyond just dealing with normal spirits, which you know, these things in the hospital reached out into my life and were waking me up out of dreams. Like they were, they were causing me to dream very specific things like be in this certain spot of the hospital right now, right now, right now, right now. And I, I mean, I would tell you I was there if I didn't sit straight out of bed and go, holy crap, I was dreaming, you know, and like the voices and where they wanted me. And it was almost like, in the building, you could see through holes in the floor, so you know that the floor wasn't really good. So what we did is when we walked some of those le you know levels, we stayed at the edge of the wall and yeah. sort of grabbed. Now, what was funny is I've worked with the Roosevelt Island Operating Corporation, and a friend of mine that I went to school with actually became the CFO uh, of uh, Roosevelt Island Operating Corp. So we had free pass to go in there and work with them, and I'm, I'm working on a book about it, 
but I'm not going to do it until my 60s and later where it's going to be more a legacy piece for my kids. Because again, I'm not, I don't do this for ego. I don't do this to be a rock star. I really, I don't care about fame. I've been, I, I, I mean, if you ask my wife, I get, I get approached by producers constantly and I'm like, no, I'm not interested. I don't, uh, that's not, I don't want a target on my back, first of all. Um, I worked with an organization called United Paranormal International, which was an incredible group. Uh, it was a Ning site at the time, which was a, a um, sort of like a site where you could have chapters and groups and sessions and meetings. And it was like really multi-leveled and you had all sorts of people in the paranormal that got together and were able to discuss and there was a board and I was brought in as the director of New Jersey and I rose, I was voted then to the regional director and then I was voted to the national director and then I was voted to the international director. And what we were doing, we were setting chapters up all over the world and you know how you have a, an encounter, close encounter of the first kind and close encounter of the second kind. There yeah. was no real protocol for ghost hunting. You know, so what we, were, what we were trying to do is sort of ascertain, you know, what would be the best situation for, you know, dealing with a, a protocol and sort of creating a protocol, which is hard because you have a lot of people that chime in that have egos in the game and then, then, then they're like, I'm right and you're wrong and you're right and I'm right. You know, it's just there's so much of that and it became the paranormal police instead of becoming this really great thing that it could be because people- got to have a- you got to have that J. Allen Hynek of uh, the paranormal community, somebody who's respected, who's who's got the uh, the authority and can kind of set uh, some sort of classification from a scientific perspective, but open right. to but open to the unknown, to the paranormal, yeah. to the things that we can't see. Correct, and it, and it's so important because see that that's one of the other problems. Then see in my my career as an entertainment stage lighting technician, I did rigging and stage lighting. So, you know, we dealt with electric, we dealt with, you know, hanging, you know, trussing and, you know, building concerts and, you know, the whole thing. So I went from the top of my game in that. And then I moved once they bombed the World Trade Center in 1993, uh, they threatened to bomb the bridges and tunnels. And at that point, I was like, I'm done. I, you know, I go to work every day in Manhattan. I worked at Production Arts Lighting in Hell's Kitchen. You know, I used to work, I did Macy's Windows, I worked for HBO, I did probably every venue in town, uh, did tons of off-Broadway, We and we sent every big um, tour on the road, uh, and then I also worked for C-Factor, so C-Factor, we did things like Anthrax, Motley Crue, Bad Company, Fine Young Cannibals, everything for Boogie Down Productions, every, I mean, it was just crazy, we sent six of the 96 out for the Rolling Stones Steel Wheels tour, uh, we did Rush Presto. Uh, we were working on really cool stuff, but I had to, once they threatened that bombing, once that blind shake, where I was literally in Journal Square, this guy's mosque was two and a half blocks from my apartment. They rented the truck like a mile down Van Ripen Street from me, and then they built the bombs around the corner. So mm -hmm. these guys weren't playing. They were trying to knock the building down onto Wall Street, and it didn't work, but they literally put a, I mean, it was a hole. Uh, it yep. was a round circular hole in the building. It's It was an incredible amount of damage. I remember so, that. Yeah, man. And I'll tell you what they did is they they were on the radio. Please, if you have a pickup truck or a van or a, mm -hmm. a, a truck, please come help. We don't have enough 
you know, response vehicles. Like, so they were SOL, man. Yeah, they, they were they were totally overloaded by that event, you know. So I was like, you know what? I wrote I rode the path train in on the first car every day, and I was like, nah, because you're underwater, and once this thing goes, it's over. There's no there's no returning from this. So it's time to get out of this thing. So. Yeah, I started moving to South Jersey and, and uh, you know, moved around down there for a while and then finally uh, married, you know, and built a house with my family and, and we lived there for 13 years. And then, again, I don't know if you guys believe in God or anything, but oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. this, is how I, how, this is how I believe God works. My daughter one morning grabs me crying, Daddy, please don't go to work today. And, and I knelt down to her and I said, sweetheart, everything will be okay. You know, daddy comes home every day. And I went outside around the corner, made the right, went down the street and a truck ran a stop sign and totaled me. So wow. my career, my career as an electrician was over because at that point, then I had gone from stage lighting to electrical contracting. So I, I became cable boy, attic boy, basement boy, crawl space bitch. You know what I mean? It was like, you know, you, you start from, you know, like here I'm, I'm doing rock concerts and, and shake, you know, hanging out with Tony, Tony Iommi's wife while Black Sabbath is playing, you know, to, you know, here getting the, getting the crawl space with the spider webs and the, and the shit and the rats and stuff and pull that cable, you know, to the other side of the house, you know, and then come back and get the phone line because nobody would think to pull them twice, you know, pull, you know what I'm saying? So, so, so I, learned, I learned that, and then I learned how to wire a house, and then I learned how to wire a business, and then I learned how to wire an industry, and I was really good at bending pipe, So I just and I kept hitting glass ceilings. So I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm starting my own company. You know. So that's what I did. I got laid off. I had no money, and I started the company from nothing, and we what's your, did- we, What's your- I'm what's sorry? Your, what, but, that first, but that first venture, wasn't, it wasn't uh, dealing with paranormal, though, was it? It was dealing with- was it dealing with like regular hardware? Well, you see, now that's it, it. What happened was is is in stage lighting. What was interesting is I learned everything about the nanometer scale, about black body, and and what what the Kelvin degree spectrum was. And and my since my my dad worked in advertising, he worked in photo labs, so I learned everything about retouching, and you know you know what they do to take a model that like, like here, I have a mark on my face. They would take that picture and then retouchers would literally sit there with, with, you know, airbrushes and chemicals. And I mean, that's how it was done before Photoshop. So I grew up in these labs watching this stuff done. It was incredible. So, and, and I'm my own worst critic. See, that's the difference too. But as an electrician, I did what was called power condition studies was part of what we did. When you work in industry, and especially industry with a lot of machinery, you have a lot of communication cables all over the place. And in IT, you understand what that's about, and you have to separate it. You have to, it has to go in a certain direction. You can't yep. bend that cable too far. You know, it's there's a lot of you know there's distances. There's how many you know what your you know why you know how much energy you're pushing through that cable depending on band you know and it and, and it compromises signal and how that electricity actually travels and what people think electricity actually is and you know they think the neutral safe so they can like you know, you know lick the neutral wire no problem <laughs> blowing out of their head it's hilarious it's all sorts of stuff but <laughs> you know 
But uh, but with electricity, we would do power condition studies because we'd be brought in on situations where, all right, we just put in a whole new barrage of machines, uh, and and I won't go into what company it is because they had you know uh, Department of Defense contracts, but what they would do is they would work on very special fabrics, let's just say. So they brought in a whole new slew of machines that that needed to work on certain fabrics. So what we and then they would have a trouble because. At, at a certain process, what was supposed to happen wasn't taking place, and they couldn't figure it out. So what they did, you know, because they had their own internal troubleshooters, and, you know, so they brought us in, and what was happening is inductance. You had, you had induced, you were inducing signal from one wire to an unshielded wire, and in IT, you understand how important shield wiring is. Oh, yeah. But, but a lot of people in certain circumstances are budget-oriented, and they don't understand the importance of bonding, grounding, and shielding. So what was happening is you would have the operation of one machine was inducing a signal onto the operation of another machine that was five feet away from it because the the EMP or the electromagnetic yeah. frequency yeah, they, were, yeah. or the pulse that would happen at the time of this relay turning on or off was enough to pulse the electricity onto this other wire inducing a signal. So it was a simple fix. I said, we just got to switch shielded wiring and you're probably you, otherwise you, otherwise you get crosstalk and that's a whole problem. And then right. of course, and then of course with, with data tech, you know, you're at that point, you're interfering with packets of data and then you get drop packets and then you get the pack, the, the, the packets and packets are repeated to compensate. And then that's wonder, that's when people wonder why their network is slow. Right. They have all when they have way too much cabling up at the plenum and so forth. But, um, and but he, just to, <laughs> he plays the factor too, yeah, yeah. But, but just, you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Mark. Forget. No, no, bad. I was, I was going to say to just to to go back because one of the things that that um, I really wanted to get into on this also is when we talk about about ghost tech because this was this was one of the there was a it was actually funny it was a meme I shared not not too long ago and it was and it was basically someone talking about you know uh, ghost tech and they were like wondering how ghost tech you know different types of ghost tech worked. And it was just funny because, you know, it gets into the fact that a lot of investigators, they know how to use their hardware, but they don't really know what's behind their hardware. Right. Uh, so they, they, they may, they may know that the spirit box is that they hear something coming across the spirit box, right. but they don't really know the fundamentals of how it actually works. You know, it's right. sort of like, yeah, sort of like you, you own your car, you know how to get in, you know, hit the brake, hit the gas, but. That doesn't mean that you could go know how to go in and take the exhaust manifold off and mess with the catalytic converter or the intake exactly manifold. Right. Yep. So, you know, with that being said, um, I'd like to go into, you know, like we see certain types of hardware that these investigators use. And a lot of us have seen either worked with it personally or we've seen it on our favorite TV show or our YouTube favorite YouTube show. Right. So sure. if you had, if you had to go back and maybe pick any one piece of hardware that these guys use or that you have personally used that right. you could say that you feel that there is a, a strong level of legitimacy behind this particular piece of hardware. Right. Would you be able to go in and maybe uh, say what that hardware is and then also elaborate on that hardware and then let me know too if you if there's something comparable that you and your company is working on or has built that's similar. Because what I see, what I see with yours is I see a higher quality of some of this hardware, and that that's what I'd, I'd like to get into Thank as well. You. Thank you. So I really appreciate that. It's you know it's funny because when I 
you know, I, I've never taken a dime to investigate any location, never, not even from municipalities or, or anything. I mean, we've, we've done a lot of, you know, work for lo- for governments and so forth. Um, but when I build a piece of paranormal equipment for somebody in the field, there's a very certain way that I do that. And I'm kind of backtracking a little bit. I'm going to cover exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But I had an opportunity to mass market, you know, the devices that I build. But I found a problem with that. And I was talking uh, to the folks at K2 Corporation, and they directed me over to another gentleman who invented the Melmeter. Uh, and he and I had a great conversation. Um, you know, he was making contact with his daughter, Melanie, who had died and he was actually owned a company that built, you know, electrical meters like that was his thing. Like, you know, so he was very, he was actually, it was funny. He and his assistant were working on the real time EVP recorder when he and I were on the phone together. So he was actually working on this new technology and you had some of these guys in the field that were just doing really next level stuff. What I find is that what people don't understand about the paranormal is they don't understand what's normal. The problem is, is that you can go into any house or anything and skew thinking that something's paranormal when it's not. And I have actually... I'm. <laughs> people don't like me, you're going to get two different answers about me. You're either going to be like, dude, this dude's amazing or this dude's a complete asshole and I hate him. And, and why is because when I watch somebody tricking a custom, a client and saying, Oh, we're making contact uh, 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 spirit. Can you tell me what, you know, what's the right answer is. And then all of a sudden they move the, 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 you know, the K2 a little bit and it's flashing and doing all these things and, oh, thank you for your answer. And then they back off, but I'm walking in the room going, well, there's a three phase, you know, power line coming down the, the, you know, the road right outside your house and that comes six feet into the house. So you're, you know, taking your vector based meter and you're creating a false positive because you're trying to scare up your side psychic business, which is a bunch of BS anyway. Um, you know, so things like that really piss me off is that, you know, people, first of all, you know, everybody wants to be a ghost hunter because it's so fascinating. It's so interesting. And they, they think because they have these tools or these items that they can hit a switch and now all of a sudden it's paranormal. But the problem is, is that just like you said, we were talking about this earlier is, the study of a location. I don't care if you come in with $30,000 of equipment or you walk in the door just plain Jane with t-shirt and jeans on. You, depending on how you're tuned, is going to depend on your results. So everybody has an inclination for psychic ability because we all share the same brainwaves, right? It's just a matter of what brainwaves we tune into more frequently or more readily. And people who are meditative, like a Buddhist monk, can attain, you know, high theta states uh, and and be conscious at the same time. Uh, You know, true psychics can delve and reach into their alpha states and and use this as part of their intuitive connection to to the the thing, you know, to, to everything. See, uh, I'm a very firm believer that, you know, 
you were not separate from this energy that kind of permeates everything. We're, we're kind of, we're part of it. You know, we're not separate from it. So like, you know, people are, our fear of death more comes from the, you know, the need to survive. And that's, you know, part of just how things work, you know, you want to try to survive, but, but death will, first of all, depend on your karma will depend on, let me backtrack your, I look at it this way. Your soul is like your Samsonite luggage, right? That you're lugging around from airport to airport traveling around, right? So you're lugging this this soul of yours around, and then your spirit is your experience that you put into that Samsonite luggage. Now, that Samsonite luggage will carry with you from one to the other to the other to the other, and now you're walking around with a bag full of karma. You know, so people create their own karma in this lifetime, sometimes meaningfully, sometimes not. Sometimes they start creating bad karma in the beginning, but then, you know, learn how to make better decisions and then can change their life and augment things that way. So, so what happens is regarding the technology that's involved in the paranormal is that people really have a very, you know, a a very slight understanding of, of what exactly is real first. And first of all, what the difference between a tri-field meter and a vector-based meter like a K2 are. See, a, a K2 works in what's called a vector, which means that there is a line of energy that goes from point A to point B, and this meter happens to be very adept at catching that vector, and also being aware of uh, electromagnetic fields that are, let's say, around a uh, ballast for a light, you know, for the old fluorescent lighting. You can walk under one of them, and your K2 will go off, and you can kind of use that to, ooh, look, they're ghosts. Here's a K2. No, it's not. You know, first you have to understand the norm. First you have to do ratios in your environment and understand what your base levels are. People don't understand what base levels are. They think, oh, I'm getting a five, I'm getting a six, I'm getting a this. Well, do your ratios. Take nine readings, add them up, divide it by nine. Now you have an average to go by. You know what I mean? Um, you know, then you also have a tri-field, which like we use uh, a radio frequency meter, which I'll show you, which is this. And what this does is this shows us where the cell phone towers are. So we can, we can walk around and we can find out what, what direction the uh, terrestrial communication is happening in, because there's a lot of time that somebody might be queuing up on a CB, a trucker might be going by queuing up on a CB. Now you're getting a, an EMF signal on your K2 thinking it's the ghost of Freddie and it's just Joe trucker, just, you know, hauling some, hauling some hogs down, you know, to wherever he's going, you know what I mean? So, so, so how do you, so. What's the, how do you get past that? I mean, is it just an issue of taking a lot of baseline readings until you uh, no, figure out what the, what's normal in that environment? Because obviously if, like you said, a trucker's queuing up a CB radio, if there's uh, ballasts in the fluorescent lights, if there's, you know, high tension power lines outside, so you got some bleed and that those fields are bleeding into the house six feet or whatever. So by taking multiple readings at a location and then identifying what is a, consistent reading versus readings that are wild that wildly fluctuate because maybe they're not something that could be easily identifiable so 
sounds like what you're saying is it just really needs to be there needs to be a lot of baseline readings taken before someone just walks around and starts saying, oh, we're getting EMF spikes. You know, so, that, you so really need to, to understand do, your environment. Yeah. What to do is what we used to do, especially at we did a, at that Temple University Hospital building, the old school of nursing. What we would do is we would go to each like, you know, to the end of a corridor, take a reading, write it down, go to the other end of the corridor, take a reading, write it down, go to the other end, you know, and do that every hour. And as, as we were there, do it every hour, just religiously. And what you can then do is see if they're trends, because what you're now looking for is signal in the noise. What was out of outside of all of these normal readings that you've taken over a course of time over a metered course of time, meaning, you know, that you're taking the time to look at the environment. And then also the fact that you study the location over a longer period of time, meaning months or years, in order to really find out. For example, we have uh, uh, a local, well, it's an abandoned hospital that the county kind of uses for some, has some office spaces and things in it that they use during the day. But, you know, this place is notoriously haunted. And we have gotten some of the most incredible things in this building. And I have the keys for it. So anytime you guys come up, we're going. That's it. Just say you're coming over. We're on our way. I'll just call the police department, let them know we're not breaking in the building. We're cool. We're supposed to be in there. And what's really interesting is 911 works outside of this building. So 911 has cameras out in the parking lot and officers come back and forth and everything. And uh, this was a hospital that then was a nursing home that then was kind of, it was shut down and, you know, uh, you know, they just basically use it for storage and, and so forth. But 911 mapping operates out of there. What What's very interesting about this location is that they have been queuing a radio for communication up for years pumping energy into that environment. See, paranormal energy has everything to do with ions. It doesn't have anything really to do with electromagnetivity other than how the that ionic force can affect, bend, or articulate different uh, electromagnetic fields. Because like with the tri-field meter, what you're not just looking at, oh, okay, we have a, a, you know, a seven on the you know, Y vector and a five on the other. We're actually studying the shape of that, envir that electromagnetic field. So now we're looking at, and back to, back to kind of basics is in that study, you need to know where the ground feeders are, if there's feeders underground. So you need to you know, read at the floor level you know, to see if they have buried, you know, any kind of buried underground power lines. You need to know where the hot spots are in the locations. You need to know, you know, set up and know where the terrestrial signals taking place. Are there cell phone towers that are shooting through this location, sending signal back and forth that can be misread? And with that meter, you know, basically I was able to, you know, show people like somebody's like, oh, look, it's really hot over here. There must be something happening. I'm like, no, dude, I'm pointing this at the building and you could actually see the 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 little uh you know they put like a little flat tower you know mm -hmm. repeater up so you could actually see that repeater on the tower and i'm like no look dude it's from that repeater so ignore it and he's like wow man i i, I just didn't even think of that you know and it's 
it's the assumption that something's paranormal. There's times, and like I said, people are tuned differently. I, I distribute a theta wave inducer, uh, and I have since the early 90s. Uh, this device is basically a pulse sound and light device that augments brainwave activity, and, and you can you know, dial into, you know, long-term theta states or alpha states or, you know, programmable states that, you know, do different things. And, you know, but one of the things that we did, we used to do trade shows with this and we had, we worked with an inventor that used an EEG machine that would telegraph your brain waves in real time. So we could actually graph your brain wave activity as you were using this device. So it was very interesting to be able to see how, you know, people who, oh, I'm psychic. Okay, well, cool. Get on this thing and show me some psychic stuff. You know what I mean? Let's see if they're able to, you know, you know, get their brain waves and then peak. You'd see peaks at the alpha waves if they were safe. We had guys that came out of this thing going, wait a minute, put me back in. I was just talking to a dude. I got to get back. You know what I mean? Like different people, like I said, some people are more grounded never had an experience in their life, probably won't ever. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. Then you have intuitives that, you know, not only do they, are they real psychics? And I don't mean like, you know, I read your tarot cards and make 15 bucks every time I do that. I'm talking about somebody who can look at something and take the vibe from that alone and again, in building my devices, this is why it was so important for me not to make it consumerable items, meaning something somebody could just buy off the shelf. What I would do is I would take your K2 meter, the one that you've used out in the field, and I would incorporate it in this device. And what I would do is I would maintain the intent of the investigator. So that, to me, is one of the most important things because intent, experience, uh, you're a barometer, you know, for the paranormal. Your hair stands up on the back of your neck. You get this feeling that something's there. You know, you feel it faster than some of these machines do. What we're going to start working on, we were going to start working on, you know, uh, what the speed difference is between your brainwave activity actually dialing into a paranormal experience compared to a device dialing and or responding to a paranormal experience. Well, that should be pretty much a constant because we know well, the constant think, speed of what of what the brainwaves are in relation to to maneuvering through the brain. We, I mean, we already know that speed, right? So right. it should be a constant, right? But we also know the constant of the device as well, right? Exactly. So. So really what you're trying to figure out is which one gets off the starting line faster. Yeah. And I think that's really what you're doing. And yeah. And doing that, it is is really it's subjective, right? It's it, like the yeah. one guy who got off the starting right. line. Mm-hmm. It's like the one guy who got off the starting line so fast that he was actually too fast. Right. Right. And 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 the one of the races. And I think when you do that, you're gonna get into that subject subjectiveness. Of okay, well, the meter is saying this, but I'm saying this, but who said it first? Right. Does it really matter who says it first? Yeah. The other are they matching? That's really what I think you should be more more important. Well, interestingly enough, the the problem with doing these types of experiments and to really dial into these experiments is there is no controlled environment. 
you can't go, you've, if you've investigated in the paranormal enough, you know, sometimes you go to a place and it's just quiet. There's just nothing happening. And then there's other times something sets it off, a thunderstorm or a event or something. And, you know, maybe you're close to the anniversary of the death of that person or at the anniversary of the death of that person. And that's a, you know, that's a moment in time that's reenacted and created. So I really love the fact that you're looking at it in, in a skeptical way and not just, you know, like, I just don't believe it, but, but more a way that shows that the interest in finding out whether the human being, you know, can perceive these things ahead of these electronic devices, whether these electronic devices are actually simultaneously and or having or reacting to a paranormal experience is another really incredible thing. And it's something that I think the SLS camera, a real one, not, not the phone app one, you know, a real yeah. SLS yeah. camera really helps with. We've had incredible results using the SLS. We've also had incredible results using thermal imagery. Yeah. Um, I also, I just captured, I think, one of the best infrared pictures I have ever caught. And believe me, you know, you can, I'm looking at my wife. I, I come home, I'm like, I got it. This is it. Oh my God, this is the pinnacle. You know, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, Nope, figured it out. That's another investigator. You know what I mean? Um, because I also take control shots of the investigators of the place because I want to know, do they have a wristband? Do they have a watch? Do they have a scarf? What are they wearing? You know, so because sometimes in your uh, infrared, you get what's called dither. You know, you have that sort of like, it's sort of, you know, I don't know how do you even explain it. It's almost like it's falling off of the edge of the reachable technology end of it which is it's almost like a, it's almost like bleed through in, yeah, in, right. in, a, in the loosest terms yes exactly so if you want to put it there yeah so you know to so to be a paranormal investigator i i really believe that first of all you have different types of investigators first you have experience chasers these are people that go to zach baggins museums and they're you know they want to go to the graveyard and they want to have you know, they just want to experience a ghost and capture the best EVP. Then you have the guys that are ego-based that are just having a pissing contest, trying to see who's, whose picture is bigger than whose picture, kind of out there kind of thing. And then you, you have, you know, the paranormal rock star kind of aspect of it, where people are actually out there, you know, making a living at being a part of the paranormal world. I, I have my opinions on that. Good for you. I... I I, I don't knock people's success, you know, I just don't, I don't believe that that's what we're supposed to be doing with the knowledge that we're gaining from this. And we were given this gift, like you have to understand, this was given to us as a gift. And the fact that some of these technologies, I mean, I started out on 35 millimeter film, you know, so we, we, we either got a picture or we didn't get a picture, you know, and it was frustrating because you know, you're pissing money away, you know, you're, you're pissing money away and you're not getting anything. And then a friend of mine said, Hey, you know something, let's bring a, a little tape recorder cause maybe we can capture their voices and holy crap. So we're 18 years old. Let's bring a tape recorder. You know, the, the closest show at the time was in search of, you know what I mean? And what, what I find really interesting about, Oh, oh I did some, 
Uh, but, there we go. Okay. Uh, what I did is, uh, you know, I find that the paranormal shows have made things, it made it more mainstream. It made it more acceptable that, you know, no, the person isn't schizophrenic. They are hearing voices that there, it, there could be something happening. And, and I think a lot of people think that they have the ability to go in and determine whether something's haunted or not. But I think, and again, this is my opinion, that the devices that we use, you have to use carefully because, first of all, you have to understand the what is real. What does exist? What, you know, we use a, uh, an analytical program when we're looking at the, uh, we also use Audacity as our base program. That's our base, you know, clipping program. It's great to use. It's simple. It's freeware. Everybody can use it. I don't use any software that nobody else can use because I want you to be able to recreate the exact same thing that I did, you know, so there's no question. But again, back to control. And uh, uh, Byron, you you made a great point about you know the fact that you know how do you really kind of set that marker? And there, it's not a closed system. We're not looking at a petri dish. You know, we're not looking at a a an environment where we're controlling the air and the environment constantly. We have heat differential. We have cold. We have moisture. We have you know everything. You know, mold. You have you know, all sorts of different things, but also you have trace gases, which I think a lot of people ignore. I think what also has to be done when you go in to look at a house that could potentially be haunted is to take a trace gas meter in with you and see if they're reacting to carbon monoxide uh, leaks. You know, well, that's interesting because Mark and I were talking just as we always do about just a ton of junk. And uh, it, the one thing we have never discussed is gas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we've talked about a million different things. You know, um, you know, who shot Jr. Did they do it with the left hand or the right hand? Did they use a pinky or the index? I mean, we've talked about a lot. We have never said gas, Mark. Yeah, and that's yeah. a very valid part because I never thought because <clears throat> if you have high levels of CO two and or even low levels of CO two, we all know how that affects. Uh, how you view and also affects lots of other things as well. But then that would go back to your baseline part of it, uh, the mentality side of it. Right. So if you're someone who's more susceptible to CO2 gas or, um, or gas that's decomposing from, from decomposing uh, objects. Yeah. We have like radon here, you know, we're, yeah, yeah. we're Georgia. So we have yeah. uranium that's depleting. That's, you know, yeah, throwing a radon up in here. You know what I mean? So yeah. So now you got yeah. the issue of how how do you monitor that in regards to how good or effective or even I don't want to say in control, but more so they might not be as in control of what they're doing than anything else. You know, it right. it looks like a five to me, but to Mark, who might be more susceptible, it looks like a six and a half. Right. Right. Or it's, it's teetering more on the six now all of a sudden we're going to get in a contest an argument about which one's right well and no. what what is that what is that play and i think that is why you know mark and i talked about this it goes back to when you talk about the paranormal investigators you're talking about a specific group of people 
right? You're not throwing out just car mechanic. Right. You know, just to, just to, just to uh, go back and, you know, one of the, one of the first big shows that was on the air obviously was uh, uh, Ghost, Ghost Hunters, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with Jason Hawes and, you know, now you got Steve Gonzalez and, and these guys in there. But I remember, uh, you know, I used to watch the show too. I was, it was, a, it was a really interesting show. Yeah. And, and, and I remember episodes where they would try to rule out uh, things like gas, things that would affect uh, a family, you know, or an experiencer. And that might be possible. It might be the possible reason why they're having certain experiences. You know, there's, is there gas? Is there high EMF fields in the area? Things that would interfere with, you know, your, your cognitive abilities that might cause you to hallucinate. Exactly. Or, or you know, whether they be visual or auditory, you know, are there uh, issues of mental health, schizophrenia, things that, you know, right. things that could drinking, you know, anything that could possibly cause that person to think they're having, you know, think they're having experiences that they're actually not. So I, you know, it is, it is pretty interesting. I, I think, um, it's going to be a good thing. Cause I, I know we talked about, you know, possibly doing some investigations together and so forth. Love. And, 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 and I think that would be a good idea because to get in there and, and, and take a very, uh, a, a very, um, um, to scrutinize an environment, you know, to look at those things, to take lots of readings, gather lots of data. Takes time. Kind of, yeah, because yeah. you want to rule that stuff out. And it's funny mm-hmm. because just like I was saying earlier too, like one of my favorite investigators is Steve Shippey. You know, they they do the Haunted Saginaw series. They they don't play around. They go in and they investigate for a period, extended period of time. They don't go in for like three days and then they're out. You know, right. what I think one location they were in for like maybe one or two nights and that was just because they didn't have access to that location for more than more than a night right. or so. But <laughs> but even, yeah, but even still, the amount of evidence they caught was was really impressive. But yeah, I I think that that that's what it's going to take. Like if we zero out a location and we start investigating a location, there's going to be a lot of baselines. There's going to be a lot of you know, is there gas in the area? Is there are there light reflections coming in from outside? Are there you know anything that could talk about you know, any, that? I got a great story for you. That any, down. any anything that could possibly uh, yeah. interfere with. Uh, you know, any type of legitimate evidence that could come through to where right. a, a skeptic could go back and pick it apart and say, oh, it was probably this, it was probably that, because you hear that a lot, you know? Sure. And, and granted, they, you know, a lot of these arguments are plausible, you know? So you have to, you have to accept that, the fact that some of these uh, explanations by skeptics are plausible. <laughs> However, unless they're actually there on that site, it's really easy to sit back and Pick apart stuff you see on YouTube and say, oh, it's just a hoax. Ah, it's fake. They're just doing this for their views. Well, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's really easy to do that. Yes. Uh-huh. And I think, and, and I'll do that. And Mark and I have talked about that because I've done that a lot, right? Um, but I think what most people aren't getting is the experience of being in wherever they're those people are investigating Mm -hmm. they're not there they don't have boots on the ground they don't know what's happening they don't get the same vibe they don't get the same feel and it goes back to what you were talking about um understanding and having a feeling and kind of being a barometer so to speak Mm -hmm. for an area so but that that goes in in kind of more so into you know you talked about using an old 35 millimeter camera excuse me i think my one of my biggest questions is 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 technology actually helping 
this or is it a matter of where it's better to use the older equipment, magnetic tape versus digital tape? Yeah, film. You're first thing. my my new favorite person alive, man. Exactly. So, you know, well, yep. Mark and I have talked. You know, we talked about this for yeah. for a while now, and we're both along the same lines. Is that I feel that, and it goes into my question is it's a multi part question. One, where is the entity? Whatever you want to put into the quotes of the entity, you mm -hmm. want to. Where in the EVP is it actually making? the impact, right? So we, we know how a speaker works, obviously. Is it doing it in the magnet, in the magnetic field of the speaker? Right. Is it doing it in the diaphragm? Is it doing it in the electrons going into making the magnetism? Is it doing all that? And then also on the video recorder, how is that going to be any different than 35 millimeter film? What's to say that it's not making a subjective move on the chip or on the sensor nope. or in, in a lot well, of ways, right? I mean, well, you could you could integrate it till for forever, which I have with Mark, and he drives him nuts. He just hangs up on me. Um, so, but my question goes into which do you think would be a better way to go forward? Being going to the I, I don't want to use old school, but old magnetic tape, old film, versus going more into technology where you have digital recorders, digital film, things of that nature. I um, my personal take on it is first that. Technology, though, has so many wonderful aspects to it, nobody knows how to use it. <laughs> so when somebody goes and, uh, and, and orbs is probably like one of the biggest, you know, most controversial, you know, things on the planet regarding the paranormal field. You, you want to start a trouble, just start talking about orbs, right? So, but if people understand that the automatic, settings on their cameras are in the 100 to 400 ISO range, okay. you know, if you want to eliminate particulates in your environment with a photo, especially a digital photo, and this is something we even did with 35, is we hyped it up like it used to be ASA, right? So we used to get 1,000 ASA film. I wanted the fastest film possible because I figured that these things are moving faster than I can capture. And so I was doing a very tight frame, very fast frame, and I was taking hundreds of pictures, but I was I only got eight that I would consider something really incredibly interesting was on those pictures. Yeah. But then moving into the digital realm, nobody knows. Everybody picks up their phone, and now they're a paranormal investigator. You know what I'm saying? Nobody mm -hmm. understands. Now you went from ASA to ISO. So you went from American standard to international standard. So when you want to capture something that's moving quickly, you have to set your ISO settings up to around 1200 to 1600. Now you're starting to get into the ranges where your orbs are going away, where, you know, the, if you, the, but dude, if you zoom in, it's Uncle Charlie. Look at it, I'm, I'm, you know, but look, okay, fine. Pareidolia, I love it. I was about to say, you got pareidolia off the, off the, off the noise right. of the image from cranking up your ISO. I have seen orbs, and I'm not talking about, like, you know, this thing that was on my film. I'm talking about watching this dot of light move across uh, in a video 
but it almost shimmered like a piece of uh, cellophane was being yep. dragged through. There is an uh, it's an event. You know what I mean? When I've seen, I've never seen the ghost of Mary or the old lady in gray. I've seen amorphous shapes of it, fist-sized things that have moved around doorways or moved up in beams in the ceiling and, and passed through. Now, if you want to get really technical, and I don't know if you guys are really into like string theory, M theory, all that kind of other yes. speculatory, you know, speculative, speculatory, that's a new word, uh, speculative, um, you know, uh, uh, what, what would be the, the science called um, uh, it, of the realms? Like of a, uh, uh, I'm sorry, it's, the it's, fringe it's, theory. It's, I had a, I had a fringe theory. It's not, it's, it's not, it's not fringe theory. It's actually, uh, I, I'm a big follower of people like Brian Green and so forth. And and right. and when you talk about M theory, you're talking about, you know, you're dealing with uh, quantum physics. You're dealing with as as I, I, yeah, so, as, as yeah, as Einstein coined the uh, called it spooky, uh, spooky action at a distance. distance but, yes, you know, I've always wondered about. I know that, for example, Center of Conscientious Studies and so forth. They they looked at the possibilities of things like what would be actually defined as your consciousness possibly being having a being uh, having quantum entanglement with something else elsewhere exactly. in this universe. Exactly. And, uh, and then, of course, you get into bigger theories too. Like you know, maybe that's what the Maybe that's our connection to what would be the what would be considered the Akashic record. You know, maybe that's part of our overall connection yeah. to the cosmos is that we right. we are quantum entangled with other uh, beings in the in the universe. So yeah, it, it's a very fascinating uh, field, and and also even with I think they mathematically proved like what thirteen dimensions initially with M theory, and then it's, it's even more now. I mean. It, I, you know, I, I find that part interesting and I find that part very, uh, you know, what they're doing at CERN, you know, what they're doing at, at the Edgar Cayce uh, Institute and what they're doing in, you know, look, like I said, I'm going to go back uh, for, for a second. You, you know, you have your experience chasers. You have a group of people who love the paranormal, think it's cool as hell, group of friends, love to get together, go out in the dark screw around, try to get, uh, you know, voices of ghosts and watch their meters freak out. They have a great time. And it's more about the people getting together. And it's more about the friendships and the camaraderies and the, and the unity and the, the interest. And then the, and then the retrospect, you know, the, the conversations after the, you know, interesting things that happened, the, you know, oh, I got the ghost. Look, if you zoom into this window, you can see it. It's standing there. I'm so hesitant of window shots, man. People send me window shots all the time. I'm like, I, if you can send me a control shot of that window and show me what that window's reflecting, then we can have a conversation about it. But, you know, I'm very, I don't believe in a lot of the things that are told to me. I, I think the best, I think the best shots that you're going to get in cases like that are where people do, if they do a uh, multi-shot where they just open the shutter and click, 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 you know, that type of thing. And, and and you see the shot the shot that happened that occurs a, a a split second before nothing, then something, and then split second after nothing. Right. You know the yeah. the you yeah. know the, at that point it's a little more credible because, you know, you're talking about the, something that happens in a fraction of a second that it between those shutter, that shutter being open, yeah, multiple times. So that that's a little bit more credible when someone has the the that one image and one shot, and. It's like okay, you saw this, so you took one photo. 
and, and that's it. Right. Sometimes it happens that way, though. You know, it's interesting, but forensic photography and control shots are are some of the most important things that you can do. It's it's almost like I don't know if you guys are into guns or whatever, but double tap. You know, it's always like a, a you have to take two shots. You have to at least take an environment shot of a location, and then if there was something anomalous that took place in that environmental shot. You know, you have a control, you have a a, a map to look at. But again, not knowing, you know, I always say, look, you know, you want to send me a picture to look at? Fine. Send me the the EXIF file, which is EXIF data of that file, of that picture that I know what the ISO was set for, the the exposure. I know what everything, all your settings were. And then I could tell you based on those settings alone, whether you're in the right category, because again, are you defaulting to auto settings on your device or are you actually mastering, you know, photography and understanding F stop and, and, you know, a, or, you know, speed, you know, shutter speed, things like that. Um, but again, you know, bringing, uh, uh, devices to a, a paranormal location, let's say we, the three of us, okay, we're going to, this school that's known to be haunted, you know, people have caught things there before. Um, you know, they don't, you know, they keep it kind of quiet, but you know, they let us go in because they really want to find out some answers. So we bring all our cool stuff. We got a bunch of toys there, which is really neat. Okay. So now we start looking around and we examine the fields. We do the, the typical walk around or, you know, like what I like to do is what's called a reconnaissance run is I like to go in, I like to do stage shots, meaning like I like to take very specific shots at the building of the places and locations that I'm going to be. Just so I have a, you know, was there a puddle on the floor? And that's why we're getting this shimmering image over on the wall that looks like a ghost. But no, if you look at the control shot, there was water on the floor so you could have a reflection of light on the wall. You know what I mean? Things like that. Just, just I know it seems silly, stupid, simple. No, it's, it's actually, it's what I've actually seen that. Where, right, where a protocol. Yeah, that was a reflection in a refrigerator and it caused, and it looked like a person, and it wasn't. Right, yes. And also the thing about what people don't understand about thermography and, and working with thermal pictures is you actually have a thermal reflection a thermal shadow on some things or literally a sure a thermal heat reflection. So people can assume that just because they got a thermal image of something that it's not a re- a thermal reflection of yourself in that environment. And for like you're saying in front of that refrigerator, taking the shot. Oh, look, look, there's a ghost in it. No, there's not. That's you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I have some photos that uh, I'll break out and in our, uh, we're going to move forward. I'm sure to have some really cool other conversations, but I have a photo of a manifestation of an entity that started to become so large in the room that it was drawing the heat off the walls. So as these pictures were progressing, you were watching this entity, which was cold, grow darker and darker and and envelop a larger area, but yet the heat from the walls diminished in each shot as it grew to a entity-shaped sized thing that we were dealing with. And it was like mind-blowing. Now, I got a, a my FLIR camera. This is a CAT uh, S60. 
freaking awesome. So this was my cell phone for a million years, but now I just use it for the thermal camera. Yeah. You know, but like I said, going in, uh, let me show you your best EMF device that was ever built ever. It's a simple compass. <laughs> and what you do is you we sort of set have a base location and you set that thing down. Now, I was at, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, the Shanley, which was in Napanock, New York. Uh, it was a sort of a famous haunt. Um, and I, I, I got to investigate there with my buddy, Richard Higgins, who's since passed. The hotel, the hotel right? Yeah. 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 And so uh, Richard actually did an, an interview for me while he was there. But I have a boat compass from one of my old boats. And we were set up at Tech. And we watched this son of a bitch shift off five degrees. And we're going, oh, my God. That was something incredible because that shouldn't have happened. You yeah. know what I mean? So now we're looking at a real-world device that does real-world things that I trust, that if I were lost in the forest, that I could use this stupid thing filled with oil and plastic and metal and find north or south or guide from the stars, you know, and find, you know, how to, how to navigate. But when you're watching something that's set in an environment and you're watching it offset, you're watching a major magnetic event. So now we're like, okay, now let's break out some other equipment. Let's see what our other equipment is doing. Let's check the cameras. Let's see if there's some kind of, you know, a, you want to look at Schumann resonance too. A lot of, see, a lot of people forget that there are other frequencies going on all around you at all times. And some of those frequencies can affect directly your equipment readings so again it's not just a matter of having the equipment but it's also a matter of understanding how how that equipment actually works in the field you know is it a vector-based meter is it a tri-field meter do you understand that you're walking into a shape you know in order to you know okay i'm encountering an electromagnetic field how am I encountering that electromagnetic field? Where is it? Because even if you're using a tri-field meter, you're you're getting vectors, but you're also getting vectors in multiple different you know directions. So you can actually map that shape out that's there. Is this shape amorphous? And that's the thing that's kind of starts to get interesting. Now, this old hospital that we get to investigate all the time. The 911 operators work there all the time, and they hear furniture moving, you know, file cabinets slamming, you know, things that mice noise. It's not mice noise. Somebody's dragging a piece of furniture across the floor. So we've been investigating in that place now for, I don't know, what, six, six years now, at least something like six years. And it wasn't for a couple of years that we finally brought in, uh, I had, had built a brand new device. And this device is uh, basically very simple. This one is a battery drain meter. So what it's doing is it's got a specific um, uh, thing where you could set this up in front of the camera. And if there's a, a direct battery drain, an instant drain, you can watch it happen. You know, it's normal, like how it's switching from eight to seven, normal. Mm -hmm. Uh, ambient temperature reading. So you have, a you know, an ambient temperature, but also I have a rate of rise I don't know if you'll be able to hear this. 
but that has to be touched. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I hear it. So that has to be touched in order for it to go off, right? Yeah. All right, let me shut it off and back on again. So, and then this also has uh, on it a touch meter. So you have to touch it physically and it'll give you feedback. So, you know, plus an LED lights up. So we set this thing, we set this thing up on the floor and it was, it was, you know, sit, sitting there. And then we put a little duck and a little car and this thing went ape shit. This thing went, I was like, what the hell's wrong with this thing, man? This thing was going ballistic. Hmm. And so we figured that, wow, we're now dealing with it. There's a child spirit here, you know, because we're getting these reactions. So it wasn't till a later investigation that we get probably one of the most heart-wrenching EVPs I've ever experienced. It was a little boy crying out to his father, yelling, no, daddy. Like, I mean, wow. it, it, when you hear it, it's like, oh, it goes through your bones. You know what I mean? And then you hear him again later going, no. And you can hear him down the hall being as if he's moving away, right? On another investigation, we get this kid. We're outside and he's yelling down from the windows to the investigators outside. And he's yelling no to the investigators. So what we do is, so we, we use audacity and then what we do is we then throw it into a sonographic, uh, program, which looks at the shape of the sound in the environment. Yeah. So what we can do is we can watch the hum of the HVAC. We know what that looks like. We know when the, when the, you know, the EMF meters beeping, you know, we can see those beeps along, uh, we can see. You know, the like I said, the HVAC motors running. You can see linear lines of pe- you know human speech pattern, and mm-hmm. then you see this wave that comes across, and it's like that is totally different. And what yeah. this thing is looking at also is see we have um, a thing called infrasound, which is below human hearing. Uh, so when you're under that twenty mark, you know you, you're twenty thousand to twenty, right? So when you're under that 20 mark, what I'm noticing is, at least with my audio recordings, is that when I'm getting a real EVP, we're getting an infrasound structure as well. So when, you know, and to me, that's fascinating. Like, so it's operating above and below human hearing. So there's times that just because of where our sound you know, levels are where our visual perce- perception is, we're seeing very and hearing very small bands of of this incredibly vast universe. And yeah. we're so fortunate to be able to see light reflect off of objects and act in a way to create color and to create sound and echoing and and you know, then there's this other thing. So, so far as equipment is concerned, when we do audio recording, we do three different types. So we do digital, we do dynamic, and then we also do, uh, the, um, uh, what are they called? Help me out here. Um, work, uh, they are, um, uh, you have to put phantom power and you have to electrify the, um, 
condensing microphones. So okay. we set we set out a set of condensing microphones because what happens is is that electrical disc is floating in there, right? Because yeah. of the the uh, the coil that's operating, right? So you send phantom power, and the 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 coil electrifies, the disc rises, and the disc will only move if you have a a real world sound that that permeates or or um you know creates waveforms in the airwaves that's actually broken the air molecules so then the diaphragm reacts to that waving air molecule and creates a sound so then we can control we listen to that at the same time cue as we're listening to our digital and dynamic microphones so if we have it and we it's a real world sound more than likely we can rule it out as maybe another investigator or somebody else was in the building or, you know, something else. But then when you get nothing, you know, on, on your, you know, one set of microphones, but you get two separate people getting things on their digital microphones. Now it's like, okay, holy crap, this is amazing. So what I find though with the technology and here we're going back, I know I'm backtracking a lot, but the problem is, is again, digital photography isn't meant to capture things outside of human perception, okay? And what these cameras do by program alone is to default to an automatic setting that it thinks it's best, right? Huh? So it decides for you what the best setting is. So you have people have to know about their instrumentation first of all. Know your camera. Take your camera off of automatic settings when you're going out at night going ghost hunting because you'll you'll you're going to get pollen in the air, you're going to get dust, you're going to get bits of rain sometimes, you're going to get and it's going to try to focus on that stuff and then you're wondering and, why you got an, and, why you got an orb. Yeah. And those round things right there are lenses that are round. So when you get these orbs, they're freaking round. If they were square, I'd be like, holy blank, that's freaking cool. But they're not. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So the thing is to know your know your instruments. You know, know how to use yeah. what you're using when you're out there. If yeah. you're just out for entertainment, God, you know, have fun. God bless America. Love it. Go have a great time. Go hunt some ghosts. Go tell your friends you had a great time. Go tell them you spoke with Mary, the ghost of the, you know, the ship captain, wife, whatever. Everything's good. But then you have the other people, you know, you have the rock stars who are looking for fame and they'll find it whether they're film students that became, you know, famous for being paranormal investigators by standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. And then you and then you have people like us who are the friggin' dinosaurs who have been doing this shit for 20, 30 years and can say, You want to know something? You're full of shit. Again, pardon my language. You're full of shit. You're, you're right, man. You know, uh, you know. I've already been in this place, and you're full of shit. And <laughs> and and one of the things that, like, you know, where we live right now, we live in North Georgia in the mountains. And when I moved here, uh, I would got dragged to a uh, chamber of commerce meeting. They wanted to start a ghost tour here. You know what I mean? One of the other towns, local Delonica, has a ghost tour. It's really famous, and they're like, we want one here too. I said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll do a ghost thing, but I'm not going to go on a ghost tour because that's like, remember Jurassic Park where they're like, 
hey, yeah. dinosaur, yeah. right? The guys are like, well, where are the dinosaurs? I can't guarantee there's ghosts, right? Yeah. So, but what I did is I said, I'll do a haunted history tour and I'll tell about the history of these locations in the town. And then what we set out to do is I said, any place that we're going to put on this, you know, this tour, we're going to pre-investigate. Yeah. And so that's how we've been, we started out was to pre-investigate all these locations. Now, what I can't wait till we're all sitting in the same room together that I can actually show you guys is what I did is I did a, now you have to, here's the other thing that people had no freaking idea about. Topology, mineralogy, aquifers, quartz content. You know, you have things like we're in a situation where there's a piezoelectric field taking place because of the way the mountains on a quartzite type. Yeah, so you sit, sit on a bunch of quartz, yeah. So we, and we have waterfalls everywhere. So I got one in my backyard. So I got ions pumping constantly. That's why when people go to waterfalls, they feel great. They're like, wow, this is great. No, it's just you're being pumped with good ions. You know what I mean? Your body yep. needs that, right? But you know what's funny is when there's a full moon, you'll never get anything during your investigation. When you have a lightning storm and or you're next to running water, you're going to have some crazy S happening, right? Yep. So what's amazing is this town, we pre-investigated all these locations, and over the course of time, we were asked to go back and look at other locations, right? Mm -hmm. So what I did is I have a, a topo topographical map, and I said, you know what? I'm going to draw lines across the, you know, to line up to see where all these locations were. Holy shitballs. If it didn't create ley lines over specific places that led and crossed and one went from one place to another place to my friend's house who's my partner investigation here who's an ex-police officer so when we first moved in when we got the cabin it was like a hunter cabin you know they use this as their like you know weekend getaway place right um but this was like our dream house we wanted to live in this kind of environment right so, but the elk heads and all the other, you know, the elk head that was back up here, you know, at, that had to go, you know, so it had to be cabin chic. So my wife wanted to do cabin chic. So my real estate agent, he and his brother came over and took the elk head off the, off the thing. But his brother was so like, he kept telling him, dude, I just sold the house to an, an investigator. You're going to love this guy. Right. So Alan and I, who was his brother, man, we, we hit it off immediately because he's in the cryptids. He's in the ghosts. He's been my, he's been an investigation partner. Now here's the thing. I work with a lot of police. I work with a lot of people that have experience as investigators anyway, who can see through people's BS, who can, you know, who understand the procedures involved in investigating, who, who can, you know, ascertain the situation and also, he knows the lay of the land here. So what was really interesting is another thing that's part and parcel to this whole thing is there are old gold mines under this town. So there's you have uh, bands or areas of metals mm -hmm. that are under here. So you have metals, you have aquifers, you have quartz that are creating piezoelectric effects. I've never been in a place more haunted in my damn life, dude. I swear to God. Oh. And, it, and it's freaking me out. 
Because we're going to every different place going, holy shit, we're capturing something. <laughs> like, again, forget the language, everybody. Uh, you know, yeah. But to me, we we were investigating the the old school of nursing at, at Temple University Hospital for two years, and I got nothing. I got nothing. I got I got hundreds of hours of nothing, right? Just people ha- having a good time, talking, investigating this and that. Then we were there one night, and a blizzard happens. And the place went off the freaking hinges. Now we're getting conversations in rooms that multiple recorders are, are picking up. We're getting phones ringing in rooms where the phone's been disconnected for a hundred years. Like, dude, we're getting stuff. Kids talking and like doors. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, so what's the significance of a of a blizzard? Ions. Yeah, I you know. Uh, I you know I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to wrap it up in a minute because we're, we're coming uh, up on a. They, but listen, they, they, we we definitely need to continue this discussion. No, you, I would love. You actually, you you touched on something that actually is a discussion that I had with Byron. Um, was it earlier today, Byron, or was it yesterday when I was talking about um when as far as data gathering goes, I said you know people yeah, don't take right. into yeah people don't take into account like the actual geographical location of some of the <laughs> where these incidents occur. And one of yeah. the things I brought up was when you start tracking you know, exact latitude, longitude of these things. You start laying these things out on a map. Do they cross with ley lines? Are you seeing increases in activity across certain geographic um, yes. parallels? Yeah, uh, you know, and and I, and I and I think that there's, I, I definitely think there's a, a, a great, you know, because we can look at, uh, Eric, because you know I'm the same way. I get into uh, not just, you know, ghosts and spirits, but also cryptids and, and high oh. strangeness, areas of high strangeness, uh, areas of high strangeness. And you start looking right. at places like, you know, Blind Frog, Blind Frog Ranch and uh, a Skinwalker Ranch, and you start looking at these areas that are high concentrations of uh, of activity of everything from uh, uh, portals or or uh, you know dogmen or or Sasquatch or you know uh, right. sh- Shadowmen, Hatmen, uh, you know, and they're just it seems like everything is squeezed into certain geographical areas, and you're like, what is so special about this location? that all of these things all seem to be coming out at various times during the year, but it's happening right here at this one location. So I definitely want to continue this conversation because I think that we're, we're onto some things here. And, and, and I know we, you know, we, we, uh, we got into some of the stuff with the tech. I want to get more into uh, how this tech works and why it works. But the, the, trust me, the conversation was so interesting. It's like, I just, I was totally, I, I was totally invested. So uh, I, I am going to, like I said, I do want to go back and um, and we want to pick this up, uh, pick up this next conversation inside of the next couple of couple of episodes. And uh, hopefully you got some time. Yeah, because I would love to continue this conversation. But yeah, um, not, I mean, yeah, not only will I make time for you, man, I cannot wait to hang out with you guys. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going <laughs> to is going to be the best day of my life, man. Oh, we're going to have, be- have some great investigations, man. I'm telling you right now. It's yeah. going to be awesome. Yep. Uh, and we're not that provided that Mark doesn't oversleep because he's so old. <laughs> we're in the iron. Are you kind of like, I'm not going to say out like over the metaverse, but are you relatively close to, to everybody? Oh, well, not flown over this entire U.S. It does make me no mind to hop on a plane and go oh, and you and have to be out with people, dude. I get picked up. It ain't no thing but a chicken wing. At that's that's my man. There you go. Yes. Yes. Look, look, Dave, that's no thing. Uh, I'm. You know, when you're a fugitive on the run, you don't really have a any set place that's a home. It's just like the entire country. <laughs> hey, man. 
Hey. Got to keep them guessing. That's the key. Got to keep them guessing. Hey, man, we're they're ready for you, man. We're we're <laughs> ready for you. And and look, I got a plethora of coolness, man. We we can yeah. go out. But but the thing is, like for me, I'm I'm a, I'm like done in the paranormal in a way. I've found exactly what I need to know. I don't need any more answers. I I know there's an, a life it passed our life. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. No, I know we move on, and I know that there's love, and yep. and I know that. If we respect the spirits that we're trying to deal with, then we'll be respected back. You know, I can't wait to tell you about, a, a, we did an investigation for an army ranger. I, I really can't wait to tell you about that, man, because holy Christmas, dude. Oh, wait. You know, we're, def- we're, def- we're definitely going to get into yeah. that stuff. That's yeah, we got some, so we got some cool stuff, man. So, so, uh, so, 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 uh, before I wrap it up here, um, do you want to, uh, tell the folks where they can find you, Grayson? And, uh, if anybody's interested in purchasing any of your tech, uh, uh why don't you tell people where they can find you? Well, uh, I'm on Facebook, Grayson Schmidt, uh, S C H M I T T. Uh, you'll see my, uh, profile pic is me. It's a video frame of me taking a photograph, and you'll see a silhouette of me uh, actually in the video frame the exact moment when the flash of the camera goes off. Because that was one of the ways we were trying to figure out if we were capturing something, is we went back into the flash of the camera to see if we were actually getting something when we were first starting to investigate, which was rad cool. That's pretty cool. That is pretty awesome. Why not? You know, we're catching something. So how are we catching it? And can we then see it in 3D and the and the thing? So, but then also, um, uh, you'll see me uh, in my background shot is the Temple of Edfu. So uh, I've been to Egypt and uh, and I got to tell you some things about that too, which are just next level, dude. But oh yeah, I'm a, yeah we're good. Yeah, I'm a pyramid hopper. I uh, cryptids. My friend David Barcara owns uh, Expedition Bigfoot which is in the couple towns over from us. So if you ever want to go hunting for, for anything cool, I got you covered, man. So Byron's been talking for the long, oh, yeah. he's like, he's like, Hey man, we got to go. So we're, oh, we're yeah, going to there. Yeah. We're going to keep, we're going to gear up yeah. and do this. So, um, yeah, so it's you been a welcome here anytime. <laughs> Believe me, man, if uh, I, yeah, I'll sleep on the couch, you guys can have my room. I don't care. <laughs> be well. no. no, but we're, 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 we're definitely syncing up. So, uh, yeah. and, but um, yeah. But so look, it's been a, it's been a great conversation, and I really appreciate your time. This has been this has been really amazing. It's been eye opening, um, and like I said, these just from talking to you before. I mean, you know, it's you you've always got some great insight, and I I love the way uh, you think your approach to how these things should be looked at. You know, you look at a lot of things that people look. A lot of people just go out with a camera. They just want. They're just trying to get that photo. And that's all they care about. Yeah, and and that's fine, but I I think uh, what we want, what we're trying to do, is something a little bit more subjective, and yes. and that and and I like that. I like that approach. And it's you know, like it's like you said, the other stuff is fine too. I'm not trying to put down anything anybody's doing, but I, I just I I would love to be able to go back and back things up with data and 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 eliminate as many false positives as possible. So right. yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, Byron, I thank you for your time. Uh, you sure. guys are gonna be, you guys are gonna be seeing more of Byron too because I'll be dragging him into more conversations oh. as, as as time hey. goes along. Uh, it's a pleasure to meet you too. By the way, it was really cool hanging with you. It's a pleasure as well. It's a it's always fun to talk to people who are interested in the same things you are, just in general. 
Yeah, man. And, yeah. and and you have the same type of mindset. That's always good. You know, it, it clears your brain, makes you think a little better. And, and the good thing is I got out of this is I've got some notes here that are things I never thought of. And that oh. is really, so I want to thank you for allowing me to do that, you know, Mark, especially you. Wow. You know, I got so much stuff I never thought of. I was like, oh my God, I, I don't have enough pen or paper. So <laughs> no. I want to thank you. We got time ahead good. of us and we got time beyond this. And look, we're not here by accident. We met yep. again for a reason. Absolutely. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, hey, man, thank you yep. so much for having me. And I really appreciate this so much. Yeah, great, great opportunity. Absolutely. Okay. And uh, everybody, you guys know where to find us in the dark doorway. You can find us on your favorite podcatcher. So be sure to like, subscribe, and follow, whatever you got to do. And there will be show notes on the website. And that will be at uh, darkdoorway.com. You'll see all the episodes and you'll be able to find out where you can reach out to Grayson. You'll be able to find out where you can reach out to Byron. And of course, yours truly. And once again, I thank you and happy Halloween. Oh, yeah. 